I'm glad that you, 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 you brought it back like further. Gentrification isn't a brand new phenomenon. Um, I didn't know what gentrification was growing up. I had, I'd never heard of the word, I'd say maybe even six years ago, I'd never heard the word gentrification uh, before. If I heard, I certainly know what it meant. But I, I did remember when I was a kid, I'm born and raised in East Harlem. Uh, my parents, they, uh, my family came from Puerto Rico uh, in the 50s and 60s during Operation Bootstrap. It's essentially neoliberalism being tested on Puerto Rico before it came here. Uh, and so Puerto Rico was in an interesting point in the 50s, well, in the 40s, leading up into the 50s. Puerto Rico, right, coming from being a colony under Spain, and then in 1898 becoming a colony of the United States. Commonwealth, excuse me, which does not translate into Spanish. On all the garbage trucks in Puerto Rico, it says Estado Libre Asociado, free associated state, which is a different type of classification, which is a nice way of saying it's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> So anyways, um, Puerto Rico was in an interesting place, right? They, they, they were, there were two large factions. There was the faction that wanted independence. And there was a faction that wanted to be a bit closer. And actually, the independence faction was pretty strong, but what broke was labor, right? Labor, you can't have a movement if you don't have labor. And labor ended up breaking to get close to the United States. And so Puerto Rico made a different choice. Instead of spending the time on developing their own economy, they did what they could to incentivize others to come in and bring an economy in or, or develop. You know, what tax breaks or incentives can we give to the outside, to American corporations or, 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 or businesses on the outside, right? How can we bring them in? How can we help them help us, essentially? Um, so my parents came in that because in that process, um, that economic plan, part of that economic plan uh, was tremendous displacement in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico lost over a million people in that time. There are currently more Puerto Ricans living outside of the island today than people who actually reside. I think it's like four point something and three point something, right? So that was, you know, later on, government officials were asked, like, wow, did you know all these people were gonna be displaced? Did you have any idea? And they're like, oh, we didn't know. <laughs> Maybe they didn't. But it was conditioned, there wasn't enough, by that model, there was simply not enough, that was always the mantra, Puerto Rico can't sustain itself. It wouldn't be able to do it alone, there's just too many people. Well, through that model, that was the case. And um, so my parents came, and that was really a group of people who just could not find work. Uh, and that, that's how my family ended up here. And I'm so glad, and I've been following King's work for a bit because um, his work focuses on public housing. And the only way in which my story would have been possible, um, the only way that it is possible, excuse me, is public housing. All of my family has been through public housing, right? My grandparents, when they came here, that was the first place that they went uh, after tenement slums, right? Um, they found an opportunity in public housing. And it's important to remember, this idea that we have of public housing, that's not what it was. Like, in fact, public housing was like, take, I remember my grandmother saying it was kind of like she moved up a class, right? Because you're talking about going from tenement slums with like rats and, and shared bathrooms, and now you have your own bathroom, you have water, you have electric, you have an elevator. This was, this was a big thing. For a few years, there was, there was funding, right? There was an actual commitment for a few years. Um, and even though that commitment was yanked, um, which explains, in my mind, why things went so badly. 
um, right? It's like you have a relationship and you don't commit to it, right? It's like I'm with this I'm with this woman and uh, I'm not gonna call her though, right? I'm with her, but I'm not gonna spend time with her, right? We're gonna go out to eat, but she better pick up the check, you know? Or then even beyond that, I'm actually gonna invest my time and energies in another woman, right? That wouldn't work for a relationship. Nor does that level of thinking work for public housing. And it didn't. Uh, so it failed. But I always like to mention, like, okay, it failed. Why did it fail? It's another thing that I love about, about King's work. He's asking, he's asking us to ask not just, you know, what is happening, but why is happening, who's benefiting through these processes. And um, again, I didn't I didn't understand any of those conversations when I was younger. I just remember being 15 and uh, who's ever taken the sixth train in Manhattan? All right, cool. Y'all ever uh, taken it above 96th Street? Yeah? I, did you ever hear the announcement? I remember I was like 15 and it was, it was weird. I was on the train and it was like, this is 96th Street. This is the last stop on this train for all Caucasians. The next stop is 103rd Street. Did y'all ever hear that announcement? It was crazy. Like clockwork, at 96th Street, all the white people got off the train. So I was 15, I didn't know about any of the, I, if I was here and I was 15, I would, I would be jumping all over the place. I wouldn't even be able to sit still. Like, who's this guy up here talking about bullshit? Um, and I was, I was a kid that would have actually said that out loud. Um, but I didn't know why that was, I just knew that it was. And then I remember a couple years passed, right? And, and me and my friends, we would bet, right? And it's important, right? We, we, we bet who's gonna get off the train. And it's weird that at 15, we knew. We could actually today, without knowing any of these people, we'd know who was getting off at what stop. Well, we must be magicians. But beyond that, I'll never forget that it began to change and we, we didn't understand that either. Right? We began to see that people were passing those borders. These, these bo We'd known them to be, we didn't know why they were borders, but we knew they were borders. There was one time this guy fell asleep on 125th Street on the train. Like he fell asleep, he was, he was a white guy, he fell asleep at 86 and he woke up at 125th and he was petrified. He was banging, banging on the door to get out. I never saw my neighborhood like that. Like I never had that level of fear in my neighborhood, ever, ever. Things were bad at times, but I never once was that scared to be in my neighborhood because it was my neighborhood, it was my community. And so, um, anyways, I, I wanted to understand why these changes were occurring, and so I began the process of trying to figure it out. And so a lot of that was um, research and talking with elders, and I, after years of formally researching, I decided, you know what, I actually want to share some of what I've learned and learn from others, because I know we can't be the only ones who are dealing with um, this, because it wasn't just that new people are coming in, right? It's not just that. It's that our people were leaving. And in terms of what it is a gentrifier, that was such an, I mean, the, to us, it was a gentrifier seemingly is someone who wants to change the neighborhood and their interests, right? I just want to say that that's how I, I don't think that if you're a new resident, you're inherently a bad person. Okay, if I move to the South Bronx right now because I can't afford East Harlem, I don't want someone to think I'm an inherently bad person for that. However, um, I think it's about intention and, uh, and what you do with your privilege. So I just wanted to mention that. That being said, these are some residents that I, that I, that I became kind of close to in my neighborhood and they were dealing with displacement. They're right next to where the, the East Harlem explosion was. 
Have you ever heard of that? Does anyone know what that is? Uh, in East Harlem, uh, we have a pretty old housing stock, and there was an explosion that occurred in East Harlem in March, and I originally thought it was this building. It isn't, um, but it's just because they had so many problems with their landlord, and they actually had an explosion shortly after this clip. Um, so I'm going to play a short clip of this for you, and I just want you to um, hear their voices and, and um, just kind of understand a bit of what is what has been occurring so far um, in my community. Me and my wife, Vanessa, we moved to the neighborhood a year and a half ago, and I, I love everything about this neighborhood. It's so much better than the last one. But compared to the last one, we had a super in our building, and our building was a uh, 18th century, uh, 1800s tenement building. And if that could have super, there's no reason why a large building like this one shouldn't. Especially, and I'm paying, I know that everyone has their own amounts that they're paying. I believe that we need a super. We, we deserve a super. I mean, what the hell is she trying to get me out of here because the rent control is in the kitchen. I have to live with everything out of the cabinet because of the mildew. And I have to live like a pig because I can't use my cabinets. Everything is out. So she took me to court because I have too much stuff in my apartment. She gave me this new Bastille stuff for mildew. My asthma is so bad, okay, that I can't even breathe. And I have all these appointments trying to keep a roof over my head. I mean, your husband doesn't die every year. I was with my husband 28 years, you know? Now, all of a sudden, I'm trying to put my life back together, and this woman's trying to kick me out. Where am I going to go? I'm trying to keep the little that I have.
Um, so I, I'm, I, I will um, tell you that is Joe Cuba's wife. I did not know. At first I thought it was just some Latina that loves Joe Cuba. There are a lot of those. Um, he's a big deal. Um, so for a while, one on one, huh? Oh, could you get to, thank you so much. Uh, so for a while, that was the first clip that would actually come out when you would search 101 East 116th Street. So it was really good, uh, because if someone is looking for this, right, that's, I know this story, because I spoke with them, I promised, you come in from some, somewhere outside the community just looking for an affordable place to live, you're not gonna know that that necessarily is happening, right? And so I think it actually began, I saw that the, the, the numbers, the, the, the rent numbers begin to come down a little bit, because when you would search that listing, 101 East 116th Street, what would you get? This video of these old ladies getting kicked down, you know, it's sad, man, that's messed up. So, after a bit, the property manager decided to do their own video and name it the same thing. We come up uh, in right next to each other now on Google, and this is honestly one of my favorite videos, uh, and I'm really happy to share it with you. <laughs> Spaces are really large, and people are really happy. Location's great. It's very close to the park. The greatest park of all. Hate it. No! <laughs> Since it's buffering, I just want you to take account of how many times you were told that it's safe. How many times you're told this is away. The neighborhood is safe. It's very comfortable living here. There's definitely something here for everyone. When I show this property, uh, many people react really positively about the updates and the renovations. We're really proud of all the improvements that we put in the building recently. We have Caesar Stone countertops, designer stainless steel appliances, recessed lighting, new hardwood floors, new fixtures in the bathrooms, new tiling, essential HVACs. Full-time super and an elevator. Security cameras all over the building. Even coming into the building is very nice. It's definitely a comfortable living standard for anyone. The location itself, great. You're close to museums. You're not. Block, you're not. There's also two buses that cross right in front of the building. It's very, very convenient. There's stores nearby and many restaurants. The neighborhood definitely has a lot to offer. It's good stuff. It's a great location. I like the community. People who live here are very easygoing. The neighborhood is safe, building is safe. And they're able to get something that matches their budget. You know, they get really great value. They're getting updated apartments. They're getting great spaces. And they're getting a great location. And you know, when you're in New York City, you get all three of those. That's exactly what you're looking for. The East Harlem explosion occurred in March. When that explosion occurred, I thought that it was this property. And I thought it was this property because in 2011, there was an explosion that actually affected some of the rent control units. And one of the elderly women that you saw on the sofa was actually pushed out of her apartment. Um, she lived, you know, when you have apartments that are in rent control, rent stabilized uh, uh, settings, um, you know, the landlords don't really have a ton of incentive to to uh, upkeep them. And the landlord just didn't want to make the repairs, even though he was legally obligated and um, essentially offered her a pretty minuscule buyout that she really didn't have the power to refuse uh, because she didn't have anywhere else, she didn't have any other option. Um, 
when the East Toronto explosion occurred, I thought it was this building, right? And, and, and it was actually across the street. This building moved a couple inches when that explosion occurred. All of the windows were blown out on that side of the building and they've yet to be repaired. So like even as if I wanted to go search right now, I was like, oh, that sounds good, maybe I'll call. Half of the windows of this apartment complex are still blown out and apartments are going for like 2000 to $3,000 a month. Um, so short clip after this and, and that, that'll be all. Um, but I, as I began to take this film across the city and see how this was affecting, oh, I'm bad at multitasking, give me two seconds. I can't, I can't multitask, I've never been able to. Okay, so as I began to uh, go across, I remember San Diego was the first time that I'd ever actually seen another community through this perspective, right? Like I visited other like friends and stuff, but like, uh, the film got into the San Diego Latino Film Festival and community, a whole bunch of community members actually from Barrio Logan came out to the screening, like 60. And at first they were kind of disappointed because they thought the film was about their barrio, El Barrio. They call it, it's, it's a group of Mex it's a community of Mexicans, but basically same thing. Highway destroyed the community, uh, public and private sector disinvested, city put all the, the uses any community tends to not want, put them there. Um, disinvested gave them no opportunity, but now, oh wait, it's 15 minutes from the center of the city, and now it's important again, but the people aren't. So they're going through the same thing. And we were, we were kind of talking about, oh, like different things that they tried and maybe failed, or we tried maybe failed to mitigate or deal with this issue in our communities. And what was amazing was that we were kind of just like reinventing the wheel. Like, we'd all been through similar stages, we just weren't communicating, or we weren't connected. And so we realized from that point that there was a real need, because um, there had been a lot of films um, on individual communities. I just finished doing one. I hadn't, I mean, in terms of in, entire cities, that's a huge, it's a huge piece to take off. I don't know why, but we thought that it would be a good idea to try and uh, talk about this issue uh, nationally. Um, displacement and, and really, you know, who really does have the actual right to remain in, in the communities um, that they're in, and so, We've been on a 15-city tour all across the, the, the country. We're about halfway through now. Um, just trying to learn right now and see, okay, well, how, how is this happening? Is there a national narrative here? Um, and if so, what is that? And um, because, again, these policies are federal, and, and, the, and the market forces that are affecting our communities are global, and a lot of these investors and developers, they're, they're global, and they communicate with each other. And so this is about trying to make sure our communities are doing the same thing. Um, and so I'll, I'll play this for you. The last thing I want to say, just watching all of the, if I've been a little all over the place in my presentation, it's even because as I was watching King talk about the projects there, and as I, I came across his work when I was researching um, the public housing specific portion of mine, and um, it, it's, I don't know, I'd like to hear what you think about it, but to, like, has anyone ever just watched videos of these buildings being imploded? Has anyone ever watched videos of, of public housing complexes in America being like dynamited to the ground? Yes. You've watched that? Yes. Dynamited, why dynamited? Because they were built in the 50s and the 60s. What were we doing? Cold War. So they were built with the intention to last through nuclear bombs. I wouldn't test it. But that's why they needed so much dynamite. And it just seems so violent. And so as we're having this conversation, I'm sorry that I've been all over the place. I'm sure I'm over time and I apologize. 
but it is, it's emotional because that's violent. And I think that going forward, not only are we trying to learn how this has affected, this, this has affected other communities and what other communities are doing, but also try and see, you know, how, how we can in some way come to cope um, with that. Um, that, that woman in, in our, I'm gonna, we'll talk in the conversation. I just wanna play this. This is for our nationwide tour. And if you would like to support, we definitely do need the support. We are really just um, at the beginning of understanding how this process is working across the country. And we love all sorts of collaboration and input and donations. Thank you for your time.